Welcome to Insurance Uncovered, the first podcast to bring you insurance news and an inside perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies and is sponsored this week by VPay, the total payment solution. Hello, everyone. I'm Kathy Imus, and today we're uncovering diversity and inclusion. We'll hear from former NAMIC chairman John Hill about ways the insurance industry can step up minority representation. Plus, coronavirus lawsuits stack up. How NAMIC is helping members stay ahead of what's to come. As we enter the fourth month of the COVID-19 pandemic, we've seen insurers across the country suspend premiums, extend coverage, and rebate money to policyholders. But trial attorneys have once again put a target on the back of our industry, raising false hope for businesses that their insurance companies should cover COVID losses when the policy language has not provided coverage for this loss. We spoke with NEMIC Vice President of State Affairs Aaron Collins about the recent onslaught of legal challenges and how NAMIC is helping members stay ahead of what's to come. Uh, so concurrent to uh, advocacy efforts, we've been preparing for legal challenges if they become necessary. Uh, so, you know, what we do is, is prepare based on the language we're, you know, that's in front of us, if it's a, if it's a direct retro BI mandate, or if there's language out there, you know, like that's in California or Pennsylvania, and we try to prepare for those as well. Uh, so, you know, the, I think there's wisdom in the preparation there. Um, legislation moves faster uh, than litigation. So being ready and being prepared uh, is something that I think our members are, are well accustomed to and understand that in order to act very quickly, if legislation were enacted, uh, we're in, in prep mode now. And uh, we have the best uh, within our internal team, uh, on that process as well as external counsel and uh, constitutional expertise on that as well. And then the, the second problem is the tracking system. So as part of our litigation working group, um, Tom Carroll, who's a uh, counsel uh, internally dynamic uh, within our government affairs team has done a tremendous job setting up the uh, litigation tracking system in coordination with that working group. Uh, as well as other teammates within government affairs and uh, external counsel as well. And it's, uh, I think it's a great tool for members. I'm not aware of anything else like it uh, in the industry. So, you know, from a NAMIC member perspective, uh, all you have to do is go to uh, NAMIC.org and sign in. And then at the COVID-19 Resource Center, there's a link uh, to the litigation tracking system. And by state, it's broken out. Uh, there are dozens and hundreds at this point of, uh, of pieces of uh, litigation that have been filed. So it gives the pertinent information to each case as well as links to the associated documents. Uh, so that's a great resource for, uh, for legal counsel uh, within the membership. But then also there's a sort of overarching resources section uh, to the litigation tracker that has presentations, news, webinars on litigation. So it's sort of a, a really unique uh, place for NANIC members to go and get a real good sense of what's happening in the litigation environment at any given point. 
To date, NAMIC has been successful in fighting back the seemingly endless list of federal, state, and regulatory proposals that would demonstrably harm member companies, policyholders, and the broader insurance market. But even amidst progress, the most dangerous proposals are likely still ahead. So to continue to protect the industry, NAMIC has created the COVID-19 Action Fund. It's a campaign designed to combat the negative impacts of misguided legislative and regulatory initiatives aimed at the property casualty insurance industry, as well as to support proactive policy initiatives designed to protect the industry. To learn more about NAMIC's ongoing efforts and how your company can contribute, visit NAMIC.org. And here's an update on a story we covered on our last episode about our industry's joint effort to develop a long-term solution for businesses affected by future pandemics. On June 1st, NAMIC joined with the American Property Casualty Insurance Association and the Independent Insurance Agents and Brokers Association to educate lawmakers on Capitol Hill about the recently unveiled Business Continuity Protection Program. The three associations are focused on helping members of Congress understand how the BCPP program would work. Specifically, it's designed to provide businesses the opportunity to purchase revenue replacement assistance that is automatically triggered and immediately paid following a federally declared public health emergency with no advanced documentation and no claims adjustment. The ongoing Hill education effort is in advance of a June 26th hearing to examine the issue of pandemic risk insurance before the House Financial Services Committee's Subcommittee on Housing, Community Development, and Insurance. Business is anything but usual these days. With VPay's claim payment solution, you can eliminate all check processing, reduce costs, boost electronic payment adoption, and start realizing savings in just 45 days. Easy, safe, and smart. VPay. As businesses nationwide condemn racism following the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, insurers are among those who have vowed to take a stand. The events of the last few weeks serve as a stark reminder that as an industry, insurance companies must do more in the fight for equality and justice. On today's Unscripted, our Chuck Chamness sits down with former NAMIC chairman John Hill to discuss how the industry can become a leader in creating diverse, inclusive, and equitable workplaces. My guest today is John Hill, NAMIC's chairman of the board in 2010 and the first African-American chairman of a national insurance trade association in America. He is president of public service insurance companies in New York City. John, thanks so much for joining me today. It's always a pleasure to spend time with any past chairman, but particularly with you. Always a pleasure to speak with you, Chuck. Miss our time together, my friend. I hear you. That's what we're going to talk about today, because this has been a challenging year, to say the least. We've had this global pandemic. Uh, We've had insurance issues related to it, public policy issues related to it. And then this, you know, what I would say is a societal crisis generated by the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, the demonstrations and protests that took place after that. So I think it's as difficult a subject as we've encountered, um, period. Uh, and I certainly put our industry in, in it uh, in terms of the difficulty we face. And, and I think particularly we look at diversity in our industry. And so I think today we can get a little better understanding about how, how we address that uh, in our membership and, and with the industry. So let me just get right to it. 
Let's start with just your background. How did you get involved with the industry and, and with NAMIC? Well, um, how I got involved in the insurance industry was um, uh, I was working for one of the major accounting firms, and I, you know, I decided that it was time to move on into industry. Um, so I took a job as an assistant controller um, with the premium finance subsidiary, the home insurance company. Now, needless to say, at the time, I didn't think I was going to be working in insurance. I actually, at that time, the home was owned by City Investing that had um, a number of manufacturing entities um, in its portfolio. So I just assumed that my next career move would be to work for one of those manufacturing companies. As it turned out, um, the City Investing chose to sell all their manufacturing companies. And so when it was time for me to be promoted from the premium finance company, um, I then joined the home and that was how I really started my career in insurance. And it's been a wonderful career and I've never looked back. With regard to NAMIC, um, after I left the home, I joined Public Service Mutual Insurance Company and the CE as their CFO and at, and the CEO at that time, Andrew Fergatch, you know, we were a member of NAMIC and he asked me to accompany him to uh, one of the CEO roundtables and I just had just a fantastic experience. I met so many great people um, and at the time the uh, the NAMIC chair was, was Jim Bloom and the uh, CEO was Larry Forrester and I established a great relationship with them. And then about a, a year or two later, on one of their trips, their annual trips to New York for one of the um, major insurance conferences, uh, they stopped in my office and they asked me um, to join the board. And obviously I was just uh, unbelievably uh, gratified uh, for them to ask me uh, to join the board and I willingly accepted and and it's been just a tremendous thing not just for me but for my entire family I got to meet so many great people some of my best friends including you Chuck um, um, I met at NAMIC uh, my wife had some of her closest friends she met at NAMIC and so did my children so um, it's really been just a fantastic relationship and something that I will cherish well, and I just add from the NAMIC perspective, there are very few, like I can count them on one hand that have served as both treasurer and as chairman, which means you were an officer for uh, a decade. And uh, so thank you for that. You did an amazing job in, in all those roles. Um, let's turn to the kind of big picture and the news of the day, the tragic death of George Floyd, the protests. All this has led to a recurrence and a resurgence of discussions about race in America uh, and diversity and our industry uh, uh, as well. But I would would say that it, it, there have been several points where it seems like real change is possible. This seems like another one of them. Uh, it seems now more than ever real change is possible. What's your take on on all this stuff that's happening and, and where we are? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Look, um, as a as a, an African American male um, and uh, someone that has a son who is Afri African American, um, um, this really hit home. You know, um, you know, watching 
the, the pictures of um, that young man, you know, um, die when he's yelling, I can't breathe. I still, um, I went through a bunch of emotions. I was, you know, angry um, and sad, you know, for him and his family. Um, and then became fearful for my son because that could have been him. And so I think what we're seeing is, um, you know, America, you know, coming to the realization that this is real. This is not an isolated instance. You know, um, you know, not too long ago we were dealing with, you know, Aubrey in um, in Atlanta, who was, you know, shot down. Um, while jogging, and that was going to be kept under the rug if not for that video surfacing. So um, this is something real that I think America, that we have to confront. I think you're seeing that in these protests. Um, I think what you're also seeing is the huge diversity in these protests. So it's not just, you know, African-Americans or people of color protesting there are white folks, there are Latinos, you name it. Everyone is realizing that America, we've got to change. I mean, you know, we're a great country, um, but this is a blemish that we've got to hit head on and, and let's, you know, um, let's change it. I mean, we can change it, but it's going to take leadership and it's going to take all of us working together to uh, create change. Yeah, I, I've seen some surveys, uh, and you've probably seen them too, that this seems to be that point in time where there is broad public agreement. Now is the time. It must be changed. We have to put this behind us. But we also know the attention span of the world, our country, is so short these days. You know, we can barely remember the events that have taken place so far in 2020 because the news cycle moves so fast and, and we move on to other things. But this is one that clearly deserves to be uh, dealt with now. You know, our industry, um, and that's who uh, this podcast reaches our members and in our industry, but we're often criticized for a lack of diversity and just wondered, you know, what's your take on kind of where we are on that um, uh, problem, how we're addressing it, and, and maybe some improvement uh, that you've seen during your career that might give us uh, hope for the future. Look, I'm always an optimist. Um, I, I've, I've talked to young people across our industry, um, you know, to try to encourage them and, and let them know that, you know, insurance offers a great career for them. Um, I am encouraged in that I see a lot of young people now entering into our industry um, you know, I got an opportunity to speak at the, um, uh, one of the, uh, joint meetings of the National African American Insurance Association. And I engage with a lot of the young folks that are, are coming up through the ranks. And you can see that they're excited about their career. They're excited about, you know, what they do. So I am seeing the change there, but where I am disappointed is I don't see that change in the C-suite. 
Um, and um, so when you look across, and I do this all the time, you look across, you know, the companies and you look in the C-suite and you very rarely see uh, people of color and you very rarely see them in those roles that will likely allow them to gravitate to become CEO. Um, and so I think that's where we still have um, a way to go. And I think, um, and the reason why I think it's important that we do that is because for those people that are coming up through the ranks, if they look in the C-suite and they don't see people that kind of look like them, they're going to say, well, geez, you know, am I really going to have that opportunity or should I think of going to another industry or should I maybe go into business for myself? So I think that that's something that we as an industry, um, you know, have to tackle. And it's not just the big companies. Um, it's the big companies. It's the mid-sized companies. Um, so that's the challenge that I think we have to confront um, if we want to ensure to recruit always the best and the brightest. And, you know, so much of it comes back to uh, board makeup. I mean, the board's primary responsibility is hiring, overseeing, working with the CEO. And, you know, to the extent that we're seeing more diversity in the boardroom slowly, I think that's an optimistic sign for future C-suite diversity that, that you're talking about, but um, again, it it's, uh, it takes time, um, too much time, but I think it's getting um, new new boosts and, and energy with uh, the kind of period we're living through now. You know, when you look at company execs, and um, there are many in our industry and in our membership that are focused on increasing diversity in their employee ranks. Um, some of them, you know, have challenges around that and maybe in part their geographic area, the size of the company and the amount of flexibility they have in staffing. But still, what kind of advice can you offer uh, to our company execs who are on this this uh, journey and, you know, that might work regardless of where they are, major city or, you know, smaller town? Well, even if you're in a smaller town, I, I think, you know, sometimes you, you may want to expand your recruiting horizons that will allow you to, um, you know, attract people of color um, for these opportunities. Um, I also think I had mentioned the National African American Insurance Association. I think that's a great place to, um, you know, find, um, you know, young um, um, you know, people of color who are really into our industry. Um, so I would encourage our membership that, um, to, to be more involved in that organization, especially if there's a chapter, um, in, in your city or, or locale. Uh, the other thing I, I would say is, and I know I've been in the hiring practice, so I know how it is is that you know what we tend to do and i'm guilty of it as well is we tend to look to hire folks that we know so what happens is a lot of the same executives you know get recycled you know in a different maybe in a different company 
and some and as a result, some someone who may be equally capable uh, may not get that opportunity or may be overlooked because he or she may not be net as part of that network. So my challenge to our industry and um, our um, our mutual uh, brothers and sisters is to be bold. In other words, you know, um, not just do the same old thing when you're looking to recruit, whether it be, you know, someone in the C-suite, whether it be a board member, you know, be bold and, and consider candidates um, that aren't, that don't fall into that typical realm. And I think if we do that, we'll be a catalyst for change because the demographics of our country are going to continue to change. And I would rather be a catalyst of change than be overwhelmed by change. So that's my challenge for um, our, 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 our industry and our association is to, you know, uh, be bold. That's great advice. Uh, we also know it's good for business. I mean, the extent that our demographics change in the country, those are the people buying insurance. These are the communities that our mutual insurance companies, you know, serve. And the better your uh, leadership reflects the communities that you serve, the better you are able to identify their needs and, and meet them. So absolutely. Well, you know, you know, NAMIC is an association well as a member leader. You know, what can we do to foster diversity uh, with member companies? Um, you know, we've done things over the years, but uh, I'll just tell you, we're, we're recommitting ourselves and, and we'll hold ourselves accountable and our members will hold us accountable for the actions we take. So have any suggestions for us? Um, I, you know, I, I think keep doing what you're doing. I, I mean, I think, you know, for example, I think, um, the, um, the, the, the CEO perspective, that, uh, newsletter, I think that, you know, reminds our members that, you know, NAMIC is, you know, com committed to diversity and that we're going to take, um, a leadership role. I also think it would be good for, uh, NAMIC to also, um, connect with the National African American Insurance Association, and I'm happy to help facilitate that um, if that connection has not has not already been made. And and I think also um, we we need to utilize those you know people of color who are in our industry and and as part of the NAMIC um, and to to showcase them front and center. Um, so that um, others will be attracted um, um, to uh, to the industry. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree, and I, I am familiar with the group. I'm not uh, personally um, um, familiar with with their leadership, but I know a couple of members of our staff. This came up in a meeting this week, and so uh, I think we're already uh, working on outreach to them. Uh, we've had some limited engagement, but I think we can do a lot more going forward. Um, finally, and, and this is on a different subject, but it's one I think we need to address because we're still in, in our particular world, uh, insurance, financial services, we're in the post Dodd-Frank era. You were chairman of NAMIC in 2010 when Dodd-Frank was made. This was the aftermath of the financial crisis. Congress had finally kind of set a course on what they wanted to do to correct the problems in our financial markets that helped cause that 
Great Recession. Uh, you testified before Senate Banking. I remember sitting right behind you in a hearing where the opening news of the day, the front page of the Post was about AIG and uh, I think uh, executive bonuses or something in light of the government aid they'd received. So you felt the glaring lights. You stood up and, and spoke for all of, all of our members before the uh, you know, Chairman Dodd-led committee at the time. So first, thank you for that. Um, and, and you know the results of Dodd-Frank for our industry were positive. I mean, as positive as they could be in financial services, given the nature of the legislation, we did very well. But I wonder if you could just give us a sense of what it was like as a leadership story when you were chairman that year. Uh, it was, it, you know what, it was an honor for me to be in that role during such um, challenging times. Um, um, I'll never forget, you know, the um, uh, when I testified at the Senate banking hearing. And as a side note, that um, um, it happened to be, I'm a Thai guy, and it happened to be St. Patty's Day, and I didn't realize it. And I had a blue tie on where every other panel member had a green tie on. And as we were in the uh, Senate uh, elevator, Chuck gave me a, a, a green um, uh, pin so I could at least, um, in front of Senator Dodd, who is uh, Irish, so I could at least, you know, um, show my Irish credentials. But um, it was truly... Um, a uh, remarkable experience for me. Um, I, I was proud to do it. Um, uh, my family was proud that I did it. Um, and, um, and again, that's what NAMIC is all about. NAMIC is, is about um, getting the membership involved to help facilitate change um, and to make sure that our industry and the NAMIC membership is well represented. So anytime I could play a role in that um, was just a tremendous experience for me. Um, and so, um, and to have, you know, Chuck there and, and Jimmy there and the whole NAMIC team there um, preparing me and supporting me was just um, um, a tremendous experience and something that um, I will never forget. And that's what, make NAMIC, what, what makes NAMIC so great because it's a membership driven organization um, and, and, um, and so it was really an honor for me to do that. Well, John, thanks for the time today. Uh, let's do this in a few months and, uh, see where we are. Um, maybe talk accountability and action then. Um, uh, but I really appreciate your guidance and of course, appreciate your leadership and your friendship. Likewise, Chuck. Thank you, my friend. And that's a wrap for us this week on Insurance Uncovered. Thank you to VPay, the total payment solution, for sponsoring this episode. We'll be back on June 24th with more insurance news and interviews. So until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a great day. Business is anything but usual these days. With VPay's claim payment solution, you can eliminate all check processing, reduce costs, boost electronic payment adoption, and start realizing savings in just 45 days. Easy, safe, and smart. Fee pay.